You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to Smashed from The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Aaron Albano. And I'm Mo Brady. Welcome back, listeners, to our tongue-in-cheek recap of what is still the Broadway community's favorite TV show, Smash. Yes, we are talking about the NBC series that aired from 2012 to 2013. Smash was also an incredible glimpse into the theater community in the early 2010s, as many of the show's characters were played by real Broadway performers with real Broadway cred. But we decided to go back in time to see how the show has weathered, what it got right, and what it got very, very wrong. So let's dive in and talk about Season 1, Episode 4, The Cost of Art. Aaron, give us the stats. I would be delighted to, Mo. (laughs) The Cost of Art premiered on February 27th, 2012, and was the first episode in the series not written and directed by show creator Teresa Rebeck and Michael Mayer. The episode was written by David Marshall Grant and directed by Michael Morris. At premiere, the episode was viewed live by 6.6 million, but including DVR recording, was viewed by a total of 9.05 million viewers. There was a lot of music in this episode. Two original songs, History is Made at Night, and I Never Met a Wolf Who Didn't Love to Howl. Two snippets of original songs, the 20th Century Fox Mambo from last episode, and a preview of Let's Be Bad from the next episode. And two covers, Buble's I Haven't Met You Yet, and Adele's Rumor Has It. And what happened in this episode, Mo? The workshop of Bombshell has begun. Michael Swift is in, Julia is avoiding Ellis, and all seems right in the world. We also meet two icons of the Smash universe. Linda, America's favorite stage manager, played by Anne Harada, and Bobby, the snarky chorus boy everyone loves to love, played by Wes Taylor. (laughs) Ivy enters the rehearsal room to riot us if somewhat random applause from her castmates, and Derek gives us the rundown. The workshop is primarily for the ensemble, only some numbers will be staged, some costumes, but basically it's up to you to sell it. However, Eileen Rand, our producer, doesn't have the $200,000 she needs to finance this workshop. Turns out, her soon-to-be ex-husband Jerry is keeping her from accessing all but $8,000. So she tries to sell a prized Degas sketch hanging in her office to make it happen. But even that is in Jerry's name. How dare Jerry. Karen keeps getting cut from numbers, thanks to sly comments from Ivy. (sighs) Karen confides in Jessica, who, along with Sue and Bobby, take her shopping for Leduca's new dance clothes and for an intervention, which is Chinese food, Marie condoing her closet, and performing a dance routine from their snap and booty shake, quote-unquote, dance class. Everyone else ends up at a party for movie star Lyle West at Derek's house, which, of course, has a casual grand piano, a drum set, and a saxophonist. (laughs) Eileen has brought the Degas with her, which she offers in exchange for points, if the show is good. So there's an impromptu performance of Bombshell, which is enough for Lyle to chip in the $200,000. I will say that was the most, the slickest, like, producer negotiation I have ever seen. Well, she is Angelica Houston. Yes, she is. This poof looks like he's ready to die. Tell me, where can I sign on the dotted line? Oh, 
favorite performance by an ensemble member. Okay, this was difficult because I was so mad at the ensemble this entire episode. Tell us all about it. Oh my gosh, why were they so mean? Mm. They were so mean. Because we're mean people. Uh, we yeah. all hate our jobs. Actually, though, I was so mad. From the from literally they walk in, just the coldest shoulder to Karen because for no reason. Mm-hmm. For no reason. And especially Ivy. No, because they are Team Ivy. Because how dare she almost get the job? <laughs> like, come on. And like, I was like, guys, she won. Ivy won. And when every time, first off, I wrote, for someone who has 10 years experience in the ensemble, Ivy is a garbage professional being thrown off by literally everything. Mm. Like, <laughs> everything. I was like, you can't, you can tell it's more tactics than like her actually getting thrown off, which makes her even uglier mm-hmm. because you won. Calm down. So insecure and so... It was so infuriating. All right, you didn't answer my question. Oh, go. Favorite performance yes, by an ensemble. Yes, I just started going. Shoot, sorry. Favorite moment by an ensemblist, maybe not even in an ensemble number, mm-hmm. is when Savannah is getting read by Karen. Oh, yeah. Is when she's getting so read by Karen. And she's just like gobsmacked because everything Karen says is right. Mm-hmm. And well, it changes the trajectory yeah. of... Karen's experience. Mm-hmm. And Jessica's. Because... <laughs> and our important Jessica. Jessica. Well, uh, Oh, and also Wes, when they're in rehearsal and Ivy pulls her shenanigans, even, even Wes doesn't approve. Because <laughs> there's one moment... Oh, he points out, he's like, when, they, when Ivy yells at the chorus, quote unquote, mm-hmm. he's like, the ensemble. Because mm-hmm. he, he's had it already, and it's been, what, two minutes into rehearsal? <laughs> Go. Yours. This episode feels like we are hitting peak smash. Like, we, like we're seeing the rivalries, we're seeing the energy that we're going to start seeing throughout this season. And part of that is really because of characters like Wes. I am a Wes Taylor stan. Me <laughs> and the SpongeBob fans, like, it's, it's me. I just think he's fantastic. He's great. And he is, like, fully invested in this, like, negative over it energy oh for sure and takes what's on this page and just runs and runs and runs and runs and runs and you can see that there's very little on the page and that he's just making moments oh absolutely and i think that's why west to me feels like such a presence in this episode it's not because he has a bunch of lines it's because he has a point of view Mm mm-hmm and dives in. Oh, completely. A good ensemble member does, <laughs> which is ironic because the whole point of this episode is to quote unquote teach Karen how to be an ensemble member right. by pulling back, not trying as hard as you can, mm-hmm. but just like falling in line and 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 silencing yourself. They illustrate that quote unquote, illustrate that. We're going to get to that dance. We're going to get to that (laughs) dance. I want to give another shout out for best ensemble performance to Leslie Odom Jr. Who is also like being a real person. Mm -hmm. That that's a really good actor. Like you, that you just got a really good actor to say a few lines on camera. Mm -hmm. And he just looks like a real human person in a real human situation. Absolutely. Versus they're both doing great work, but Wes is like leaning into the melodrama of smash. Sure. Whereas Leslie's like, Oh, that's exactly how a person would say those words when someone else said words to him. Yeah. Yeah. I'd buy that. Yeah. Things are doing okay for Leslie. <laughs> exactly. Things that scream 2012. Here's a question about things that do or do not scream 2012. Huh. Derek uses feminine pronouns to describe Tom. Oh. Is that something that like straight identifying people in the theater community did in 2012? Because I, now I feel like now I feel like being like, oh, she's just hungry or like 
you, that's just something I might say to yeah. someone. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, definitely, I mean, we're getting uh, into a very different About deep a male identifying person. Yeah. But I was like, that's a really interesting, if not appropriate, for a straight man to clock a homosexual man. And especially someone they do not, they clearly do not have a good relationship. Right. What's interesting is that because as we start to see in future episodes, maybe that was a... A term of endearment that got carried over and now is used against him? I don't know. No, I thought it was weird. It was, it was, a, yeah. What does it mean that I didn't even clock it? I mm. don't know. But that, yeah, I don't think that's, that's, um, that's 2012. That might even be not 2012. Might be 2015. The other big RIP for me was Twink Nick Jonas. My God, I wrote pre-body Nick Jonas. <laughs> I wrote pre-daddy Nick Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was straight up 2012. Where, like, we didn't use... Because that was what? How to Succeed in Business Nick Jonas? Yeah, that was... Uh, How to Succeed was 2011. So, yeah, yeah, so was, that would have been... Yeah, it was... Um, How to Apply for a Job Nick Jonas. Yeah, it was... Pre- Brotherhood of Man. And the other thing that screamed 2012 is that Sam is reading a Sports Illustrated magazine. First of all... A magazine. A magazine. That was really the thing that was 2012 <laughs> And then the amount of heavy handedness in which they are telling us that Sam likes sports. Oh, yeah. Is so insane. So it's a big like reveal that, oh, spoiler alert, he's gay. And he can't be gay. No one could have seen it because he likes sports. Just these stereotypes. There's 2012. All right. Albano fact checks. You ready? Oh, gosh. I love that you call these Albano fact checks. When you were... You did shows also. <laughs> yeah, I did show. Shut the hell up. Tom and Ivy have lunch in Times Square. So let's assume that they're rehearsing New 42, uh-huh. Open Jar, even Pearl Studios. And they go take their lunch break at those red metal tables. In Duffy Square. In Duffy Square. Yeah. Have mm-hmm. you ever eaten lunch in Times Square? Absolutely not. No. And why not? A, too many tourists. Mm-hmm. B, it's gross. C, there's so many just fake Elmos trying to take your picture. Mm. And this was – I don't think people who don't come into Times Square as often as we do realize, but this was the time where there were a lot of Elmos. Oh, yeah? There's actually fewer of them. Now that you know, they're cordoned off to certain areas of oh, Times Square, and there's just actually been less. Like, think about the time when you would see, like, four Olafs, and now you only see one. Okay, fair. Right? It's, it's actually better. And this is, like, kind of peak Elmo time. Or you just yeah. go to the lunchroom. Or just go to lunchroom or packs, but there's no room for cameras in there. No. <laughs> and too many mirrors. Oh, the biggest fact check to me was that Karen pops down to City Hall to talk to Dev about Ivy pushing him out on her lunch break. Oh. Can you imagine getting from Midtown to City Hall and back on a lunch break? That was a lunch break? Yeah, maybe she... I didn't even catch yeah, that. Yeah, maybe she took a car. She did. Even still. She took a helicopter. There's absolutely no way in the best Uber with no... Like it would no, absolutely not. Absolutely. We had not. cell phones in 2012. She just could have called. Maybe she went out to like the courthouse in Queens. Maybe she had the afternoon off. Maybe there was a break in the schedule. Maybe she got kicked out of too many numbers yeah, that right. she didn't have rehearsal anymore. Let's dive into oh the intervention. <laughs> Let's go. Thoughts on Karen's intervention with Bobby, Sue, and Jessica. A, I'm happy that it happened because it was propelled by my favorite speech of the entire show so far Mm -hmm. i wrote it i literally wrote it down like the whole thing (laughs) oh and then the words mic drop it afterwards yes it's amazing because it's so good it's amazing he she literally says this is after she's crying and savannah 
I keep calling her Savannah and not Jessica. Is that bad? Jessica walks up and is like, what's wrong? And she's like, and she says, she she's trying to get me fired. And you guys are like, she's a hick. She's from Iowa. I am just as good as any of you guys. I am the same as you. You were all beginners too. And I'm good. I could have done that. I could have slept with him. And I didn't. And I wouldn't. And that doesn't make me stupid or lame or untalented. She shouldn't be trying to get me fired. And you should be trying to help me. That's like honestly a great speech it is the best speech <laughs> and she is gooped you what do you say after that yeah especially with you should be trying to help me it was the you were all beginners too that i'm just like yes you were we all were calm down everybody right let's go back let's, and so then we got oh, let's go. go back to that one thing that people remember that you did newsies and think like <laughs> like there were lots of beginners in yeah. that company, and you were old and tired and jaded. <laughs> Thank you. But did you take that I out? Right now. <laughs> did you take that out on the people making their debuts in that cast? I no, because a at the end of the day, and what I what I think what we know that this show is not setting up is that a company is or should be a family, and at the end of the day, when all the auditions are over, and even at a workshop level. You are all coming together to make this show. And that's what this nasty, nasty rivalry that Ivy has made up in her head and carries her friends with her about. Like, they all forget this. And it's gross. And that's why I was so upset watching the first half of this episode. (laughs) Thank God Jessica Savannah, like, has her come to Jesus moment. Gets yes, good job. <laughs> when Savannah gets wise and then helps her, and then which brings us to the intervention, and they go over, and Wes is still jaded over it, but he comes, which is a perfect detail to the exact ensemble member that he's playing. Mm-hmm. Just shows up, but is going pre- to project. Presents the most <laughs> jaded about showing up. <laughs> like I also love the idea that they don't have anything to do at night. Well, I'm like, wait, did all of you guys quit Heaven on Earth to do this workshop? Oh, I didn't get the feeling that they were in Heaven on Earth. Oh, Savannah is. Savannah's in Heaven on Earth. Yeah, maybe Ivy's in Heaven on Earth. Yeah. Philip's in Heaven on Earth. They're all in Heaven on Earth. Oh, it must be a Monday. Oh, no. I I guess Lyle West has his birthdays on Mondays, so people... (laughs) But there are, like, like, the amount of post-show events Mm -hmm. that Ivy goes to, I'm like, girl, this is a workshop. Did you, you just quit? You're rehearsing 10 to 6 and then you're going to the theater. Uh-huh. I was like, did you just quit your Broadway minimum job mm-hmm. to collect $200 a week that apparently is not funded because Eileen can't find her money? Mm, you're right, right, right. Like, I was like, did all of you guys just stop working mm. because of this workshop? Who knows what they're what they're supposed to be doing that night. But instead, they all let's say they all called out I, to have this <laughs> intervention, intervention and tell her tell her about this elite dance class that yes. they all have that you need to, like a re- recommendation to get into. I only know of one elite dance class in the city and that's the Fosse The Fosse thing? Yeah. yeah. That's the like only... Like the Fosse project? Yes. Yeah. That's the only dance class I've ever heard that you have to be invited to come to. Yeah. And even so, is and, it a... And it is not booty shaking and snapping posed to Adele's rumor has it. Uh-huh. That's a great... Broadway Dance Center class. I have taken that class. I have loved that class. That class made me feel like a great artist. Maybe but- it's a class to teach you how to dance within your like three by five square mm-hmm. right next to someone else. Yeah. So just on the offset, you go to like an open bar. I love how Bobby spills the tea on Karen. 
At, while eating Chinese food, he says the following. Her dancing is actually fierce. It's not like all trained and perfect, but it's watchable. I'm watching her, and usually I like to watch myself in the mirror. <laughs> we know that guy. Uh, yeah. We totally know the guy. Yeah, yeah. It's Wes Taylor. Because <laughs> <laughs> a part of me is like, was this in the script? Or did you just like riff and they kept it in? Oh. Because it's spot on. There was one part that I was like, we watched Ivy being garbage the whole episode. Mm-hmm. But at the end, and this is this is where... I always turn on a dime with Ivy Mm -hmm. because it's all this show and it's all this protection of herself Mm -hmm. that that is coming off so disgustingly to Karen. But then at the end of the episode where she's talking to Derek, she's talking about him flirting with another woman, putting putting his hand on the small of another woman's back at this party. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's what's happening. And she says, I just want to feel safe. And he says, then go back to the chorus. There's nothing safe about being a star. Which, on one hand, like, yes, like some more chorus shaming. But at the end of the day, the premise of that sentence, that's not wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's so complicated, my relationship with Ivy. My, my, <laughs> it's so complicated, my, like, perspective on Ivy, because you were watching this woman get what she's always wanted, and we're watching her not be ready for it. Does that make sense? She's floundering because she like she's wanted this her whole life. She's devoted everything and it's she's in over her head. She hasn't done the work in herself for what is demanded of her. Mm-hmm. And so she's taking it out on this on the only person she feels like she has power over. This is such good table work. Do you think they did this table work? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, special thanks to Aaron Albano for joining us for this mini series. You can learn more about him and how to connect with him online by visiting our website, theensemblist.com. Are you enjoying the Smash mini series? Yes, I am. <laughs> if you are, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Oh, like Instagram? <laughs> exactly, Mo. <laughs> Recapping this isn't an- Mo. This is this is someone else. This is a listener. <laughs> Recapping and analyzing episodes of Smash was a crazy idea that we had, so we're considering these first few episodes a trial run. If you're having as much fun as we are, let us know, and we will keep going. The Ensemblist was produced today by me, Mo Brady. You can help others find out about The Ensemblist by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also download episodes wherever you get your podcasts or at theensemblist.com. Follow The Ensemblist on Instagram to see the latest posts from our website where we share stories of talented artists working in Broadway ensembles. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.